RadioInfluence.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in football season. I get it. I get it. I get it. I love it. I'm into it. Oh, yes. But also, when the leaves start turning, you know, changing the colors, not here where I am in Florida, but where you may be, it also means it's postseason baseball. And I love it. You know, you got to wear that jacket. It starts getting cold and it gets dark a little bit earlier and and every pitch means so much. So what we're doing today is my guest is the pre and the post game host uh, for Bally Sports with Tampa Bay Rays games, Rich Hollenberg. But he's so much more than that. Oh, my God. I've known Rich for at least 25 years. We got, I got a funny story about Rich and I years and years ago, and it came full circle, and I had a long conversation with him. We were just chewing the fat the other day, uh, you know, way, way before a Rays game, right on the field, right down there by the first base dugout. And then I drove home, and I thought, man, you know, he's had a very diverse career in broadcasting and he succeeded at so many levels. Why the hell am I not asking him to come on my podcast? So I texted him, said he would love it. Went back down the next day, sat down with him and wait till you hear. I mean, he does college basketball on ESPN. He was a reporter and a damn good one for NFL network. Um, he's done home shopping network as a host uh, the list goes on and on, and he succeeds at every level. So how has he done it? How is he still doing it? I love these stories. Here he is. Enjoy this. My man, Rich Hallenberg. All right, honored to be with one of the most versatile, honestly, broadcasters in America, the one, the only, Rich Hallenberg. Rich, how you doing, my man? Rock, I've known you for almost 25 years, and you still know that flattery gets you everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be with you. Oh, man. So if you're in the Tampa Bay area, most sports fans will know you doing Bally Sports with Rays baseball, pregame, postgame, things like that. But you have done so much, and still to this day so much. When you got into this business, was, was your thing like, was there any one thing that you really wanted to do or was it a variety of different things? You know, that's a great question, Rock, because I think I got into the business thinking I was going to be a sports center anchor right when I was in college and really coming up into my own as a grown up. That's when Sports Center was really becoming the biggest thing on the planet for sports fans. So it was Dan Patrick, Keith Oberman, all those guys. And I said, that's what I want to do. And then as I got through my college years, I started realizing the thing that made me want to be a sportscaster in the first place was I loved being at the games. I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up going to Madison Square Garden and Yankee Stadium and places like that. I wanted to be at the games. And I said, those guys are in a studio. I don't want to be in a studio. So I had to kind of pivot and rethink what my goals were. And to be honest, I was just a dumb college kid. And when I graduated, I said, I'm just going to try and find a job. I don't know what that job is. I'm going to try and find a job. And after about a year of looking and doing other jobs in journalism, 
I was able to get my first job in TV, which was in all places, Great Falls, Montana, working for the ABC affiliate. I never knew that. Yes, in market 172. Uh, as I like to tell young aspiring sportscasters now, make your mistakes when no one's watching. <laughs> and that's what I was able to do for the first six months of my television broadcast career. Now, was did you come down to Clearwater, Florida with Vision Cable after that? Yes. Okay. So I, I, was, in, I was at KFBB-TV in Great Falls for six months and then got a call from the same Syracuse professor who called me about the job in Montana. Uh -huh. We call it the Newhouse Mafia. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, yeah. It, Syracuse is filthy with famous sportscaster talent. And once you graduate from Newhouse School, it is part of your right and your birthright to look out for anybody else. Oh. So at Vision Cable, as you just mentioned, there was a long line of Syracuse grads who had that job before me, Todd Callis being one of them. Uh, so I got a call saying there's a job opening. Would you be interested? Absolutely. I would. I flew down. It was right around the time that Roman Hammerlick was playing for the Tampa Bay lightning. I remember reading the sports pages, trying to bone up on my local Tampa Bay sports, right. uh, because this was obviously before the raising existed and before the internet. So you had a get oh, local newspaper. Yeah, I was right? literally reading a newspaper. Now we sound like dinosaurs. <laughs> No, that's uh, how it was. And moved down there. Uh, that was about the fall of 1995. And uh, the rest is history. You I've never left way. since. Now, obviously, you, you do games on ESPN. We can get into all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think that there are a lot of fans that will not know that you had a very successful career at Home Shopping Network. Yes. Correct? Correct. Now, now, was that something that you aspired to do, or you just auditioned and got it, and it was good money, and boom, boom, boom? I would say that was a happy accident. That's how I would describe okay. it. I was doing uh, the sportscasting thing. Um, I left... Vision Cable, which became Time Warner Cable, which ultimately became Bay News 9, as you well know. Right. Um, I left and was freelancing for ESPN. And I was doing a lot of kind of fringe sports, as I would call it. Like I broke in with ESPN covering the National Jump Rope Championships. Really? That's how fringe I mean when okay. I describe fringe. But I was getting national exposure. The money was good enough that I was working on the weekends, and that was about it. Then I started dabbling with Sunshine Network at the time, and I was working with the Tampa Bay Lightning and really enjoying myself. And a local agent said, there's a show that's starting on this new national network called Fox Sportsnet, and they're looking for a sports host. Are you interested? Absolutely, I was. I went to do the audition, and the audition was at Home Shopping Network in my backyard in St. Pete. Turns out that HSN was partnering with Fox Sportsnet to do a show that was called The Daily Sports Source. And I don't know if you remember the show, Best Damn Sports Show, period. Of course. Okay. So we were kind of the predecessor to Best Damn Sports Show, period. It was a magazine-style show. Uh, takes place, you know, the set looked like a sports bar, like a man cave. Gotcha. Worked with J.P. Peterson. Okay. B.F., Brian Fasulo, who you may or may not sure, know. Sure, sure. And uh, I was the main host, and they assured me that I would be a sportscaster who happened to be selling things on TV. Gotcha. So we were selling memorabilia, collectibles, all around calendar events that were happening at that time. Gotcha. So um, pick an anniversary of, let's say, the Yankees winning the 1978 World Series. It was 25 years after that. We would sell 
an autographed baseball from the Yankees team and discuss that team, that type of thing. Well, I was really hesitant when HSN came calling and right. said, we really like what you're doing on the show. We want you to be our sports host. My first response was, I don't sell things on TV. I'm a sports guy. Right. Luckily, I was able to get in touch with, through a friend of a friend of a friend, the legendary Al Michaels. And Al didn't know me from a hole in the wall, but he knew someone who knew someone who knew me. And he was nice enough to take my phone call. And I said to him, I have this predicament. I don't know if I should take this job with Home Shopping Network. And I described to him the pros and I described to him the cons. And he said, 10 years ago, I would have told you you're crazy, but the walls are falling down. And versatility is something that will never be frowned upon. Wow. And that was, Rock, that was almost wow. 25 years ago. Wow. Now more than ever, yeah. the walls are coming down with streaming services and this and that. So thank goodness I had that conversation with Al Michaels, because otherwise I probably would have turned down that job. And I had so many great experiences at HSN. Right. And yet after six years, I knew that if I didn't leave, I would always regret it because I always wanted to still be a real honest to goodness sportscaster. So my time was up there and I left and jumped in full board a sportscaster. Now, did you from there... Is that when you started doing NFL Network and reporting and play-by-play -play came after that? It was right around that time I started doing both, as a matter of fact. I had an interview with ESPN and considered moving back up to Bristol, Connecticut. I'm from New Jersey. Right. So it would have been a, a move closer to home for me. Right. But at that time, I was married. I already had one son. Um, we already had our roots in St. Pete and the Tampa Bay area, and I didn't really want to leave. So they said, there could be some opportunities for you uh, down the road. Let's stay in touch. Lo and behold, ESPNU was just starting. The SEC Network was just starting up. And someone by the name of Chris Farrow, who for a long time was my boss, he was the one who gave me my break at ESPN, called me and said, I saw your demo reel. Do you call basketball? And the only basketball I called was high school basketball here in Pinellas County. And that was years before. And of course I lied to him and I said, sure. I call basketball. Beautiful. I love it. And he said, great, show me something. We might have an opportunity for you. That's how my career at ESPN started calling basketball games. And right around that time, someone who I knew at NFL network called me and said, do you do reporting? And of course I said, sure. I do reporting. And I became kind of their regional Southeastern reporter corresponded for NFL Network right around that same time. Now, most guys that I know that do do play-by-play -play say they really prefer that over, like, reporting and even anchoring. Were you the same way or not really? You, you liked both. I felt like an outsider calling basketball games, especially because it was on the biggest stage you could be on. I mean, my you would know this reference. Maybe some of the younger listeners wouldn't. My first games with ESPN were with Len Elmore. Len Elmore is legend. a legend called March Madness Games with CBS Forever, with ESPN Forever. That's who I called my first two games with. And here I am in the back of my head going, wow. who is going to come out and fire me on the spot for being a fraud? <laughs> I had major imposter syndrome back then. But I had a great support system, and I learned on the fly because I never really was a play-by-play -play guy. I think if you come up through the business as a play-by-play -play guy, it's easy to be a host, an anchor. Right. I think it's a little more diffi 
difficult to do the opposite. Oh. And that's what I was. Wow. I was more of a host than an anchor who was then moonlighting as a play-by-play -play announcer. Now, very fortunately, for the last decade or so, I've been able to split my year in half, yeah. spend half my year doing play-by-play, -play, half my year hosting the Rays games. Beautiful. And it's, it's a dream come true. Before we move past that, if, if I remember correctly, when you were at NFL Network and you were reporting on some big stories, didn't you work, you kind of like the lead guy with the Aaron Hernandez case? Am yes. I right? Yes, you have done your homework, oh. That was uh, many moons ago as well, and I'll never forget. I was in Atlanta and covering the Falcons and about to go to the airport to fly home, and I got a call from my editor saying, are you free to fly up to Massachusetts? And I said... Sure. He said, there's something going on. We don't think it's anything, but we have to have boots on the ground just in case. Apparently, Aaron Hernandez is wanted for questioning in some type of a murder case. We have no idea any of the details other than that. Just get there and see what you can find out. I go back to my days at Syracuse. I was not a hard news reporter. I was sports all the way. But this was not a sports story. This was a hard news story. I had to rely on some muscles that I hadn't flexed in a long time. And it was exhilarating and horrifying at the same time. I ended up spending 10 straight days camped in front of Aaron Hernandez's house. And we ended up ultimately being the first network nationally on the air as Aaron Hernandez got taken out of his house. Oh, I remember that video. That was you guys. Oh, my God. You're giving me, you're giving me goosebumps, Yeah, it was man. surreal. Oh, my God. All right, so you're doing your play-by-play, -play, NFL Network. How did this gig with Rays Baseball come about, Rich? That's another kind of sidewinding story. My, my, nobody's career arc goes in a straight line. You're right. Mine's taken a few more curves than maybe some others. So I was very happily working at ESPN, but I was really only working half the year. I was doing, a, I was doing some anchoring with ESPNU, doing SportsCenter U, as they called it. And, and by the way, yeah. what, what is that like? When you, were you up there in Bristol? Or, uh, I was in no? Charlotte. Their, oh, you ESPN right. was they based had in Charlotte. Okay, okay. And that's where the SEC network is as well. But I was just wondering, like ESPN, ESPN, like you can't get any higher. I mean, there's a lot of eyeballs. Were you nervous at all? Or you were just confident uh, at this point? No, I mean, I, I've said to many people before, I feel like I grew up, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I grew up with a microphone in my hand. I've I known see. since I was about 10 years old that this is what I wanted to do. So I never never felt nervous. I always had butterflies and I still do. Every time the red light comes on, I still do. But that just means that I care so damn much about what I do. Uh, anyway, going back yeah. to the Rays. Yes. So I got a call uh, from an agent saying that the Miami Heat were looking for a pre and post game host on Fox Sportsnet. So I flew to Fort Lauderdale. That's where the headquarters are. And I interviewed and auditioned for that job with the great John Crotty. I don't know if you know yeah, John know, at all. Yeah, yeah. John's been with the Miami Heat for years. First as their pre and post game analyst. Now he calls games with them for I them. Remember with, as a player with Eric Reed, right? Absolutely. So I auditioned with John. Hit it out of the park. Basketball is my first love. Grew up playing the sport. Love it more than anything. And they offered me the job, except for the fact that I didn't live in Miami. And lo and behold they needed someone to be based in the Miami Fort Lauderdale area. And once again, going back to my conversation about moving to Bristol, I was not willing to move my family for a job. Right. Uh, so ultimately that job passed me by 
And luckily, the folks at Fox Sportsnet said, do you like baseball? And I said, are you kidding? I love baseball. They said, well, sit tight. There might be an opportunity coming down the road. I figured they meant a year or two. Well, a month later, I get a call. The same exact opportunity is available for the Tampa Bay Rays. So the light bulbs obviously went off, and it was in my backyard. I live and still do 10 minutes from Tropicana Field. So that interview process was a lot briefer than the Miami Heat one because I already auditioned for it, and they just plugged me into the Rays, and now I'm a decade into that job. What is the difference? You, I also remember you being the reporter, mm-hmm. going in the clubhouse, sure. having to get those questions, kind of come up with stuff. What is the difference between doing that and then hosting, being on the desk? Right. Well, I learned from Todd Callis. Todd and I have been friends going back 20-plus years. We hosted a show together uh, on local Fox television, Fox 13, called the St. Pete Times High School Sports Extra. Wow. He and I worked on that show together. Wow. Um, and so I learned from him. I just followed him around and saw I did what Todd did because he was as good as it at it as anybody. So at that time, the job was you are the pre- and post-game host, but you're also, for home games, the sideline reporter. So I got to do both of those things. When Todd was here and I was here, I was strictly the reporter. When Todd wasn't here, I would do both. Then as time moved on, we, we started splitting the hosting duties. I would do all the away games. He would do all the home games, so on and so forth. The one major difference I will tell you between hosting a show and reporting for a show is the reporting for a show takes a lot longer and is a lot harder. Isn't that something? It, People it, might yeah. not think that. No. Trisha Whitaker, who does an outstanding job for us, has probably the hardest job outside of Dwayne and BA that anyone has on our broadcast team because of the fact that you have 162 games. You have to come up with new angles, new story ideas, all of that. We have a great producer and a great producer team who helps us along the way and gives us the framework of what our shows are going to be like, but a lot of it has to be enterprising. You have to have those journalistic chops where you're curious, you are inquisitive naturally, you are a good question asker, but maybe more than that, Rock, you have to be the best listener in the room because a lot of times these athletes are conditioned to not give you any real good answers. So when they do, you have to be able to follow up on those answers because that's where the great stories are going to come from. So it was a fantastic experience. I love when I still get to do it. But if I'm being honest, it's yeah. just you and me talking. Yeah. I don't envy Trisha Whitaker or any of the sideline reporters. It is a really difficult job to pull off for six months out of the year, 160-plus games a year. See, I wouldn't have thought that. Very, very interesting. Two more. Is there a bucket list? Is there something that you still in the back of your mind would like to do in this business, Rich? That's a great question. I would say um, if we're talking pie in the sky, sure. I would love more than anything to work a Final Four. That's, I mean, there, there's a handful of sporting events that I'm sure we all idolize and look up to, and I'm a big tennis fan. I would love to work the Grand Slams. I grew up going to the U.S. Open. I would love the the thought of working a Grand Slam tennis tournament, the Super Bowl, the World Series, all of that. But the final four for me would be the end-all, be-all. And, you know, outside of that, 
I've done so many things that I never thought I'd be able to do or dreamed of doing. The one thing I haven't done, I'd love to call a basketball game in Madison Square Garden because that's where I grew up. That was my sports education, watching the Knicks and the Rangers in Madison Square Garden. I would love to call a game in Madison Square Garden. Well, I hope you will, and I'm sure you will, knowing you. I ask all of my guests, I'm sure you get this a lot, young, aspiring broadcasters. What is the best piece of advice that you can give them, Rich? Uh, The best piece of advice I could give aspiring sportscasters is something that I tell all the aspiring sportscasters who come through a program that I've started, which, by the way, my website is richhollenberg.com. For anybody who wants to learn more about the business, that's why I decided 25 years in, good, bad, or indifferent, I've accumulated knowledge from people who I've learned from. And it's time for me to pay it forward. I'm an old enough guy that I want to pay it forward. What I tell all of those sportscasters is just say yes. There are no small jobs. Do not worry about if the job is exactly in your wheelhouse. It's better to be comfortable being uncomfortable than to say no to a job and regret not taking it. Because otherwise, you're going to be spinning your wheels and waiting for the perfect job to come around. And that's never going to happen, especially when you're young. Just say yes, get your foot in the door, and then from there, build relationships. We work in a relationship business. And I used to think about the whole concept of, oh, it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that sounded very snooty to me. Like, oh, you have to know someone famous, or you have to know someone who is the owner to get a job. It's not about that. It's who are you friendly with? Who thinks highly of you? that would want to help you. And the only way to do that is to network and build relationships. And you never know who's gonna be able to help you, but it's been my experience that the people who you develop relationships with are more than willing and and, and able to help you along your career path. So by just saying yes and taking those jobs whenever they come along and then networking once you do that and continue to do that, you're gonna end up getting to whatever that end goal is no matter how long that path is for you and no matter how winding the road is like mine was. Oh, man, the best, the great Rich Hollenberg. You can see why he is still crushing it. Thank you so much, my man. Rock, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Rich. All right, you want to hear, you want to hear a little behind-the-scenes story? This is unbelievable, all right? Rich, when he was doing, it was a cable operation Um, and I came on as a kind of like a guest, not a co-host. He was the host and it was for vision cable. I was down here in Tampa Bay. I had moved from Denver. I had been a national reporter out of New York and New Jersey, all that jazz. A lot of people thought that I was overqualified for a local station. I went out to Denver. I was not in the media. I did get a job at channel 10 as an editor in sports very, very part-time at the end. Uh, I was just loving having a blast living in Denver and, and, but I wanted to get in back in the media, you know what I mean? Back in what I do. And I came to Tampa for a job in radio, 970 WFLA, not a lot of pay, but I was single at the time and I wanted to get back into TV. And I sent my tape to this Bay News 9 that was just starting up. And the, and the, and the head guy, Elliot, said, bad dresser. He didn't like the, the sport coat that I had. So that's it. Ejected the tape. You get five seconds. Done. Boom. 
All right. So I was working in local radio, 970, WFL Ray, A. They called it Ray when they got the Rays. And they had this vision cable, and it was a sports line. It was like a local sports talk show. They did call-ins. And I came on with Rich, and I did it a couple of times. Somehow, Elliot, the boss from Bay Design, saw that, thought it was okay. I ended up kind of filling in a little bit over at Bay News 9. The weekend guy didn't work out. I ended up getting that job. And then Dave Logan, who used to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was the main sports anchor. He passed away. I was the weekend guy. I got the main gig. After Dave had passed, I slipped into his chair. Uh, rest in peace, Dave. Dave Logan. And I was there 18 years, and the rest is history. But when I was on this Vision Cable call-in show with Rich Hollenberg, okay, there was a crank call that came in. I was at a local supermarket a couple of weeks ago and a guy comes up to me and says, Hey, you rock Riley. I was over at the uh, deli department. I said, yeah. He goes, man, I thought so. We used to watch you on TV. Da da da. We used to call in. Matter of fact, we crank called you a couple of times. I'm like, Oh, great. How you doing, man? So we took a picture. He said, my brother has got this Dallas Cowboys uh, fan. He's got a following in Dallas. You may, could you come on a show one time? I said, oh, okay. And I gave him my number and then I started like, oh my God, are they going to be wise asses? You know, they crank called me. That's like 25 years ago, you know, and here it is, they, they're grown men. And I'm like, I wonder if they changed this type of thing. So he texted me, this guy that crank called me 25 years ago and said, I remember the guy that you, you were on with, Rich Hollenberg. And I'm thinking, Rich Hollenberg? Rich Hollenberg was never on Bay News 9 with me. Maybe he, I thought he said he crank called me on Bay News 9. Oh, Rich Hollenberg. So I let it go. Those guys that crank called us, crank call means you get by the producer and they, you know, you say, oh, I want to talk about this. And then you get on and then you crank call and then you try to hang up on them. They get in what they got to do. It might be yelling, could be something dirty, could be a swear word. That's a crank call. And we didn't have any delay because it was TV. So, so they send me the clip of Rich Hollenberg and myself some, is it close to 30 years ago? I had longer hair. We looked so young. I didn't even want to look at the clip. And so, so isn't that, isn't that unbelievable? That's that long ago. And so when I saw Rich Hollenberg, I'm like, you know what? Do I even bring this up to him? No. So we did this whole podcast that you just heard and we were done. And I said, Rich, I got it. He goes, what show was that that we did that you came on so many years ago? Was it sports phone? I said, I think it was sports line. He goes, yeah, I think it was sports line. I said, Rich, you want to hear this? Do you know that the, their brothers, they crank called us 25 years ago and they sent me the clip. And I just went on this guy's show. He's got a Dallas Cowboys YouTube show. He goes, what? Are you kidding me? You got the clip? Yeah, check this out. So I show him the clip. They yelled. He could not believe it. Is it not a small world? So he thought that was so funny. Couldn't believe it. Here we go. Here we go. So I thank Rich, thanked him at the trop and this and that. So then... The guys that crank called us, there were two brothers. They live here in this area. 
But one of the brothers is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. And he's got his own Dallas Cowboys man cave. He's got his roadcaster. He's got his microphones. He does a show. He, he, he's a hype. He's a hype guy. And he hypes up Dallas Cowboys fans. And so his brother said, hey, man, when the Cowboys open up against the Bucks, and this was like weeks and weeks ago, would you come on the show? And I was like, I wonder if they forgot about it. Oh my God, what am I in for? You know, when you go on someone else's show in a different market, and especially if they're a fan and they crank called me years ago, ah, what am I getting myself into? But you know what? I gave him my word. I said I committed. I, and my wife goes, why are you doing it? If there were wise asses and they might be a wise ass again, you don't have to. Do I'm like, no, no, I gave my word. So sure enough, he texted me. No, he actually said, can you talk? And it was the brother who's got the cowboy show sounded very nice sounded professional looks like he's been successful he flies down to miami he's a miami hurricanes fan he flies to dallas you know he must be doing well he's got a family and i'm like he sounds pretty good all right all right mike tag is his name so, <laughs> so I went down his Twitter and I see his hype. He hypes at a, at a, at a tailgate and he's got a, he's got a following with cowboy fans. I'm like, all right, here we go. And that whole night before a day, I'm like, I wonder what it's going to be like. Are they going to crank call me? Are they going to have these cowboy fans telling me that the bucks suck? You suck. You suck. F you. It, what's it going to be like? Should I go do it in his man cave? It's harder eye to eye to be an ass compared to being like on the phone or being on Zoom or uh, StreamYard or however you do it. And I went to the trap that day. And that was the day that I talked to Rich Hollenberg for so long. And the next day I did the podcast, but I didn't tell Rich about that. I didn't know how he'd feel about it. You know what I mean? So uh, I went to the trap. I had a long conversation with Rich that day, pregame. Boom, I come home, set up. I'm, I'm in the process of setting up my little man cave. It's a mini man cave, but I got a nice new microphone. I'm, I'm doing some lighting. I'm trying to really make it look pretty good. And uh, so I was like, ah, it's kind of half-assed, but whatever. He, he, he texted me that day. Here's the link. I'll link it. Boom, I went on, and his name is Mike. His co-host is Jimmy, Jimmy D. And... They couldn't have been nicer. They couldn't have been cooler. They were above board. And I was very, very relieved. And I was glad that I did it. They were good. They were good dudes. So isn't that, isn't it a small world, man? Isn't that 25 years later and you're on their show, Cowboys Nation? Against the Buccaneers, so I really, I, I ended up having a good time and all, all was well. All right, now, which brings me to this. Tom Brady, I know if you're not a Buccaneer fan or not a Patriots fan, even half the Patriots fans are pissed off that he didn't come back and all that jazz. Others appreciate what he did. Outside of that, you're probably over Brady. You think he cheats. He did that with the footballs. He had contact with the Miami Dolphins. He didn't get any, uh, and he was property of the Buccaneers. And he didn't get any, any, any suspension or any discipline and all that. Okay, I get it. I get it. But I am in the building 
I am around Brady, watching Brady practice. I'm at his press conferences on Thursday. We're now able to be back in the building. Now, I have been in one buck, one buck place, the Advent Health Center, their, their, their facility, their huge, beautiful facility. Uh, three times, four times now inside the locker room, I have yet to see Brady in the locker room. His locker's right near the door. There's, it was two empty, and then there's one empty, and then I think it goes Trask. And then it's Ryan Griffin, or is it Ryan Griffin and Trask? But there's no locker next to Brady. They give him, like, enough room for two lockers. And when it's media availability, when the locker room opens, the majority of athletes, players, don't want to be in there. They do not like the media. You know, it's a, more of a hindrance, a, a pain in the ass. They don't want to talk. There's been a couple that have opened the door. Oh, they see the swarm of media in there. You only, it's open for a half hour. And then they just leave. They don't even bother. Some bus balls, bus chops. Some don't mind at their locker. That's just how it goes. Okay. I was around all last year. We were not allowed in the building. The interviews that we did, thank God they weren't Zoom. Once in a while, it'd be a Zoom, but it was outside and it was far away. Okay. But still, I would see Brady. Brady would walk to us. It was over, a, it was in a tent, like they have a covering uh, next to the building. He would sit down at a table and uh, we could ask questions. You're probably about, I don't know, 10, 15 feet from him or Arians, or whoever the player is, or Mike Evans that comes down. Well, now you can go in the locker room. But for the quarterback, he talks once a week. Brady talks on Thursday. Some starting NFL quarterbacks will talk on Wednesday. Some talk on Thursday. Tuesday is normally the NFL uh, no media and usually a day off. Some players still come in, they get treatment. It used to be that players would come in on Tuesday that wanted to watch film. Now they have their iPads and their those tablets. They don't have to come in. They can watch film, you know, in their home. So my whole point in this is just watching Brady, his mannerisms, how he looks physically, how he answers, enthusiasm or lack of enthusiasm, not for playing. Playing is separate. Brady still has the arm. Father time has not gotten to him yet. He looks to me like he's just really unhappy, bothered by something. And I'm not a TMZ type of reporter. And I was explaining this to my wife. Now, my wife was in the business. She used to be a news reporter. She's still a freelance producer, but she's doing different stuff, not news type things. And she's like, well, why don't you just ask him? Why don't you just, you know, the TMZ type stuff? Why don't you just, and I said, Emily, reporters that have to go in that building every single day, when you go in that locker room every single day, you don't want to be looked at like a guy that's trying to dig up dirt. Okay. Because number one, the, it's up to each team. They can pull your credential. They don't have to give you a read. They're just like, they can pull it. Oh, you can, you can have your boss try to write a letter. You can do this. They don't, what, what do they care? They, they don't, there's no, there's no, there's no media credential police. There isn't. There's no media credential courtroom. There isn't. 
There's no media credential uh, lawyer. They can, I've seen it happen. I've seen it in baseball down in Port Charlotte where I saw the public relations director just take the credential and rip it off the guy's neck and say, get the hell out of here. I've seen, I've seen it uh, years ago in an NFL locker room. Get out. I've seen it where uh, a PR person has come up to a reporter and, and told him, get out. You're never coming back again. I've seen it. And my livelihood depends on having access to players and coaches and being in that building. So I ain't going to be like that. Okay. I need to, you know, have a credential. I need, you know, to see other media members and, and either at games or practices when big names come in and maybe I can get them off to the side. Hey man, would you ever want to be on my podcast? This and that I got to have access. So that's my thing where I, I have to have that. So I can't do that. And, and here's the other thing. When you are a daily reporter and you got to go in there every single day, you will, if you're that kind of guy, you're just trying to dig up dirt and basically be a, 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 an ass. Word will get around. Players will be like, don't talk to that guy. They will, they will block you out. And then you're done. You're basically, you're done. So my point is a lot of times like the national reporter will come in or maybe somebody from a news department that it doesn't have to keep going back in there every single day. They will come in and they might try to get the TMZ question or behind the scenes. The one thing that I will tell, but I'm just telling you like whatever it really is that's bothering Brady, it's bothering him. You know, and I can see it. You can see it in his face. You can see it in his mannerisms. He's pretty good with the media. Uh, he usually looks you in the eye. He answers pretty good. For somebody that's been doing it 23 years, man, you know, it's like it's like these rock icons that have to do meet and greets before concerts. Like, <laughs> they have done it for 20, 30, 40 years. And yeah, it's kind of part of the business, but oh my God, they go down the line and somebody, hi, how are you? How are you doing? I want to get a picture and shake your hand and da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, you know, they do their best sometimes. Sometimes they'll just do one big group thing and it won't even do like the one-on-one -on -one meet and greet, you know? Um, just imagine doing something 40 years. Yeah, I know it's part of the game. I know Brady is a, a huge public figure. Brady is being paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, but he also still is a human being. And if he's having marital problems, would you want your personal life being scrutinized and talked about in public if you're having problems with your wife? I wouldn't. I went through a divorce with a son. It's brutal on both ends. It's not fun at all. It can be really, really rough demoralizing, rough, but it's life. It happens. And the one thing that Brady did say was, he's like, look, it's been like this for quite a while for me. So I'm used to this. Like, in other words, being so famous. But he said, you know, there's sports reporters that are reporting on my career, on my game, on my performance 
on what we do on the field, but they're also reporting on my personal life, on my marriage, my kids. You know, that's not easy, but he knows that this is the game. You know, so I'm just, the reason why I'm saying this is I'm just giving you a little perspective and I really wonder if this is going to have an effect on him or can you get through it? Now, look, I went through a, a divorce. I was married but separated and I got my ex pregnant and we both decided amidst a lot of yelling and I'm not a yeller and a screamer and it can get rough, but we decided to not stay together because it just wasn't working just for the sake of our son Hunter. So that's all my son has ever known. But I can tell you, man, there were times where I was just like, felt like I was beaten down, like, you know, and it takes two to tango and, and I was at fault and we're both at fault when a marriage doesn't work. You, it's usually right. Usually, um, so I'm not here to say anything like that, but, but I was working. I had to go on the air every day and had to go to work at Bay news nine. And no matter what happened at 11 o'clock, every single night, that camera. And it was also at the end of your day for the 14 years that I did that show, I was there 18 years, but when you, and you got stuff all day, there was, there was a stretch for a, several years when he was in kindergarten, my son and in, uh, elementary school that I brought him to school and I was living in St. Pete drove to Pasco County. This is early. And, 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 but I got to see Hunter. I'm not complaining about that. I got to see him, picked him up at his grandmother's house. And then, cause she would drop him off before, on her way to work. And then I would take him to school and we'd be in the car and I'd cherish that time and talk with him and play with, you know, hang a little bit and then drive back and then whatever I had to do during the day, and then you still go out and you go to one buck and you cover the team and all this. And then by the time I got to work at three o'clock, I had a full day. And then you got to go from three o'clock all the way till 11 o'clock at night. And then you got a live half hour show. You got to look your best. You have to have your energy at the end of a night. You know, how about that? 11 o'clock and going through a divorce. And her yelling at me and not very happy and this and that and all this and that and that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy, but I'm just saying you got to do it. That's life. And that's what Brady or whatever it is. It's, you know, and he looks skinnier. He does not look happy. And when he finished last Thursday, you know, he was pretty good with his answers. He, he, he you know, fairly, you know, and then he finished and it was like, okay, last question. I was going to get that. I wanted my last, but somebody beat me to it. Boom. As soon as he said it was over, he goes, thanks guys. Boom. And then he had a, had a look on his face, like an unhappy, you know, mad look as he walked away. You know, he was able to, it's not like he's just, so anyway, I just thought that I would, you know, give you that little bit of behind the scenes that, even if you're rich, look, I'm not looking for anybody to give any kind of sympathy to Brady. I'm just giving you my observation. He does not seem happy. I, there was a reporter named Ben Volan, Volan, Ben Volan, who has been covering Tom Brady for a long time. I might've said this on the last podcast or a podcast before. And he was down here during the Miami Dolphins Buccaneers, two, three days of 
joint practices. I believe that's when he was down here during training camp. And he knows Brady pretty good. And I remember he went back and he reported like, oh, Brady looks miserable. And I'm like, it's hot as hell. I'm miserable and I'm not even playing. It is 100 degrees or the heat index is 105. I'm not happy. But I think he was onto something, you know? And uh, so there you go. It's like my daughter has been having, she's getting straight A's. She's in eighth grade. We're very, very fortunate. Oh my God. But like her computer has been crashing, not saving, being able to save like all of her work and crying at night and this, and it's terrible and all this. And then, and my wife's like, what are we going to do? She's like, I mean, what are we going to do? I'm like, you move on to the next day. You move on to the next day. You know, Rich Hollenberg, my guest here, we were talking. His son is a freshman at the University of Georgia. And that's where Emily, my wife, went to college. Now, my wife is many years younger than me, but she had not been back on campus in 20 years. And we took a little summer vacation this year. We dropped off our daughter in North Georgia and I surprised her with a visit and we stayed two days down in Athens and we toured that campus and walked it and had a great time and bringing back memories to her. But even Rich was telling me, he's like, you know, my son is pledging a fraternity. He's a gym rat. He's not allowed to do that. Loves being on his phone. Not allowed to do that. He's pledging a fraternity. He's got this. He's got that. And his wife's like, what are we going to do? He's like, figure it out. He's like, the kids nowadays, these kids, they've been coddled. And like, I'm trying to tell my wife, like, that's life. You know, I have been dealing with a little bit of a health issue that it just doesn't seem to get any better. But nobody wants, nobody wants to say, I don't, I never mentioned, I'm not mentioning to anybody. You would have no idea. But I'm just plodding along, man. Life goes on. You got to keep on moving. Got to keep stepping. Look, step ahead, one step at a time. Got to keep doing it, man. Got to. So anyway, my thanks to Rich. Keep an eye out. I told you this here on this podcast. Will it affect Brady? He doesn't look happy to me. And if I see or hear anything different because I'm over there, I'm going to be over there several days every single week. This week included, every week. And anything that I see or hear, I'll let you know on this podcast, The Rock Stops Here. All right. I did have a whole, a whole bunch of interviews that I had stockpiled. That list has dwindled. So uh, I will see what we can come up with. <laughs> I, I still do like bringing guests. I know how these podcasts go. It's the, the reason why you're tuning in is because you, you must like me. If you didn't like me and I annoyed the hell out of you, you ain't tuning in. And we, we, we I, I found this out years and years ago. When I was doing that TV show, we would try to have a guest every single night. And we took calls. Like I said, that's how we got crank called. And we do highlights and all that. We were ahead of our time. It was like a half hour every single night for 14 years. But the boss early on would always say, who you got on tonight? Who you got on tonight? And then he would look at the ratings. Oh, this guest, he didn't bring rating. And then we would look, and they, a lot of nights that we didn't have any guests, a lot of the times those nights you we'd get higher ratings than when we had a guest. 
It's not just about the guests, but this is what I do. I like bringing guests to you. People that I consider success stories that are good people. And Rich was another one. Just once again, they're not jagoffs. They're not assholes. People that are successful for a while and continue to be successful. So I hope to bring you some more entertaining guests and also tell you what the hell's going on and tell you that I think Brady's got the something's cooking, man. Something's cooking behind the scenes. All right. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, I, I, I find him interesting is Jake Paul. I know so many of you cannot stand him. I know so many of you want to see him get his ass kicked because he's a troll and he talks so much shit. And yo, when is he going to fight a real boxer? And he's another MMA, the MMA legend. And this opponent that he's fighting was one of the greats in UFC, but he's 47, 48 years old, Anderson Silva. But the guy was the guy did beat Anderson Silva, what, just not that long ago, beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who was a world champion. But here's my deal on this. If Jake Paul loses, I I I he can do all the talking he wants. That's it. The fact that People have wanted him to, to see him get his ass knocked out. And I, whoever, shitty opponent, Ben Askren, the basketball player, KSI, the YouTuber, whatever, though. He's Woodley twice. And in time, I mean, yeah, he's not a strike. He's beating him. He's 5 0. He loses this. I think that's it. I think what interest? What, 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 what's he going to drum up? So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it, man. You know? He knows what he's doing. He certainly gets you talking about him. I'm talking about him here. All right, that's it. I will talk to you next week. Same time, same place. Thank you so much for supporting. If you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button. That way it just comes right to your inbox every Tuesday, man. Every Tuesday morning. My thanks to Radio Influence, my guys, Jerry and Jason. They're the best. Let's keep on stepping, man. No matter what, right? Keep on moving. All right, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.